You're listening to Geek Watch One with Kylan and Ken on the Tangent Bound Network. Do not adjust your settings. Take your hands off the keys. Your search is over. These are the geeks you're looking for. You found Geek Watch One with Kylan and Ken. Hey, Geeksters. I'm Kylan. And I'm Ken. And you found Geek Watch 1. Welcome back, Geeksters, to issue 64 of Geek Watch 1. We got um, some. We all sat down and actually got a chance to watch Stranger Things on Netflix. Now, this. Um, Kylan and Dawn said they heard about this. I haven't heard about this until um, our buddy Bart actually told us about it. it. This is actually a really, really cool series. It, it really is. It. Uh... For those of us that grew up in the 80s, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of 80s references. And it's almost like somebody knew how to take the very best of what were your quintessential 80 movie, 80s movies and put it in one series and just knocked it out of the park. There's even some, I was looking at the um, trivia stuff on IMDb and there's some stuff in there that I didn't notice that is really, really interesting. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Um but before we get into that, what have you guys been doing this week, other than just like us getting ready for the um, epic geekness that is next week? Well, we uh, well we recorded with uh, we all we, recorded with Weeby yeah Geeks. we all recorded the Weeby Geeks earlier this week. And we all be, between the two of us, there was four out of the five nights we recorded or something. Yeah, it something was, like that. Yeah, it was yeah. a busy week. Yeah, we recorded. <laughs> um, I know I recorded uh, Monday for the Meeplecast. Tuesday yeah, or yeah, Wednesday was yeah, Weeby Geeks. Huh? What? Yeah, mm-hmm. Wednesday was Weeby Geeks. Set Friday night, I did two shows because we did this week's DC Superpowers and we recorded with Kylan and the guys over at Mighty Marvel Geeks for next week. Um, mm-hmm. Then this morning, Vicky was actually. Um, no, yesterday, yesterday, Vicky recorded for Tales from the Darkness and then we got this today. And I yep. still have to record one more time before we leave for Gen Con with Vernon to get the pull list for next week. <laughs> ah, this is the longest running um, podcast week that all I think the four of us have ever done. Yep. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I'm. This is it for me. For this, is my last show for a week or so. <laughs> That's right. And so now my now I got to put the finishing touches on some stuff for the upcoming adventures, and that'd be it. See and now, hey, we- Kyle. Kylan's even caught up on his blog entries because he did an early one for this coming week since we won't be around, and I'm doing an extra one, too. That's true. That's true. I did. We're making sure we get the blogs every week. Cool. Um, And actually, this almost feels like if we could get paid for this, this almost feels like a job for this week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it did. (laughs) It really did. Well, um, speaking of the – just in case anybody – this is your first time listening, um, this week – Coming up, I told said the geekness that is coming is um, 
none of us are going to be able to record next weekend. Most Geeksters, you guys know that we record on Sundays usually. We try to. But next week, Vicky and I will be in Indianapolis at Gen Con, one of the largest gaming conventions in the world, definitely the largest one in the country. Um, so if you find us out there, we will have stickers and buttons and things. So look for Vicky and I at Gen Con and Kylan and Dawn. Dawn, you said you guys have some sticker, a limited number of stickers and buttons with you too, don't you? Yep. Well, I'll be taking some with us on the road. Awesome. And just giving them away randomly to people or if they actually tell me they know who we are. You got to somehow <laughs> get James and the Bob secret stash to put up a Geek Watch One sticker somewhere. Well, we're definitely giving them some stuff, so... I'll see if they if they have like a board or something that they they put these things on. We'll see. A couple of those guys may come up come on the show. Never know. So yeah. <laughs> depends who's there at the time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are taking the um, epic geek road trip. We got our dude. This is crazy. Um, yep. Do we have any Geek Watch One news other than the, what's coming up? No. No. Just, just that. Just that. The next episode is our uh, is our crossover. Yes, remember, next week, Geekster, since we're not able to record, we told you guys we recorded in the middle of the week. We actually recorded our um, Comic-Con coverage part two, same as we did last year, with Weeby Geeks, and you will be getting that next Wednesday. It's more like volume two, or the sequel. It's not really part two, because there's only one part of this Comic-Con. That's true. (laughs) But there was some awesome stuff in Comic-Con this year, so you'll hear all about that then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the... The sad thing is we got to get moving in the news. We do have some sad news to start off with, but I'd like every time we get sad news, we start with that so we can bring it back after. That's right. Right. Um, I don't know. Did you guys hear about this story before I put it up on the dock? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it when it happened. Well, if yeah, anybody cause... hasn't heard Jerry Doyle. Now, if you don't know who Jerry Doyle is, he was, if you remember the show Babylon five, he was security chief Garibaldi, which was a fantastic character. I loved the story arc they had with him. Well, mm-hmm. he actually, he died this week at age 60. So I don't think they've released um, what it was yet. I think they're no. doing an autopsy, but they yeah. don't suspect foul play. I pulled it up on Blaster, and Blaster said as of um, as of the time they're writing the article, they had no cause of death. Yeah. So he, he was a super nice guy. Donna and I got to meet him at uh, Motor City Comic Con uh, back ago. around 2000, 2001, something like that. Yeah. And, totally. and the guy was so nice. And like, he was... He was from, I'm pretty sure he was from the Detroit area. He was a huge Red Wings fan. And he had his table set up with all of the photos that you could buy for, for him to autograph and stuff. But he had this big banner behind his table that said, we'll exchange all autograph photos for Red Wings tickets. <laughs> so, and, and he was just, and we just stood there and talked to him. Like there was no lineup for him or anything. And we were just there kind of shooting the, you know, with him and for a yeah. few minutes. And yeah. he was just a cool guy. See, that, uh, the no line probably is because Babylon 5 was a phenomenal show. A lot of people, looking back on it now, the effects don't really stand up because it was mid-90s special or um, CG. But the storylines and where they were going, they were so ahead of their – it was like Star Trek, sim- similar in Star Trek to where they were ahead of their time. Yeah, were, it had a lot of good, really good storylines that were different from other space shows. But it was because that was on the same time as DS9, mm-hmm. and a lot of people – a lot of people were drawing the comparisons because, like in DS Nine, like all all the different races all live together mm-hmm. and they they work together. But in Babylon Five, like each section of the of the base was no each race had their own. They were separate, segregated. They were segregated, yeah. and so people were they they thought it was interesting because the, these two shows were like two sides of the same coin. Um, it and it was a really good show. Like uh, one of my f- favorite all-time books is a is a Babylon 5 story 
and it, it's the story of the uh, the the origin of the Rangers. And yeah. actually, it's I think it's City at the Edge of Nowhere or something like that. And I actually, I have it on my shelf right now because I, I read that book and I was done in like a day and a half. I hated to see it end. <laughs> I would go back and read it again because that was just such a good book. Well, the cool thing with the um, – you said how the races were reg- segregated in Babylon 5. It was the idea that these races were not in a lot – like in Star Trek, B- DS9, most of the people were from Starfleet. They were all part of the United Federation of Planets, one big mm-hmm. government. In this, right. you had five separate alien governments, some of which are not friendly with each other. Nope. All living on this station like a giant United Nations except one space station. And there the whole idea was the station was governed by all a council of the five country or the five um governments. So it was a very political right. show, but it was a very much also how did these um enemies learn to live together? And and it was funny cuz Earth, Earth was the one that, that was basically stuck in the middle trying to try trying to maintain some type of peace although Earth was not the one in control, you know. The, I mean, these uh, the 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 governing body was one in control, but the Earth was like the one that was constantly playing this 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 really really delicate game of chess. Yeah, you know. And I love the show for that reason. The one thing, well, the one thing out of this though is we need to do, we need to actually make a um make a plea to Warner, Warner Brothers Television actually owns this and they made it. Um, mm-hmm. Now, originally, th- I think part of the reason why this didn't take on as much as or take off as big as Babel- or as like a Star Trek did, other than not being Star Trek, was this started on NBC for the first season. Right. Then they mm-hmm. went. Then they, I think they had a season off, and then they then TNT bought them. Mm-hmm. So right. it was a show that bounced around a little bit, and people couldn't find it. The same thing that Stargate, when they first started off, remember had a little yeah. bit of problems because they started mm-hmm. on Showtime and then switched over to Sci-Fi. Right. Yeah, so, people didn't necessarily know the show was actually still around. <laughs> yeah, until you're halfway right. through it, and th- so you pick yeah. up in the middle, and you missed two or three seasons. So and that this- was a time when that was a time when you couldn't exactly go back and catch things up on demand or stuff like that. You know, right. I mean, and even and now I you mean, can't because it's true. not on any streaming service. It's another that's one true. of the Warner Brothers shows that they're sitting on in the archive where you can buy yeah. it from them, but it's out of print or they have to print it on demand for you. So this Every is another one to Warner Brothers. While, Warner Brothers. Every once make- in a while, somebody will play a movie though. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. my plea is to Warner Brothers. Make some of this stuff available on Netflix or on Hulu or on Amazon or even Crackle. <laughs> They'll get the business. My God. I mean, yeah. geez. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that it's almost like that's why they're sitting on it. Like they have this. They have um, that Smallville is not available anywhere. Um, there's three or four other shows that they own that are big fan favorites that you can't touch unless you um, go through other sources. Yeah. Right. So, but um, that was the Jer- that was Jerry Doyle. It was um, sad to see him go, but. He was. I'll always remember how awesome he was on there. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. So, Kylan, it's up to you to bring us up out of this. <laughs> well, uh, well, you know what? We have some awesome news because we seem like we're steeped in the eighties. Uh, the Rocketeer is finally getting a sequel uh, after thirty plus years, almost. Um, so, it looks like Disney has finally given the green light to a sequel to the Rocketeer or sequel slash reboot of the Rocketeer. Not not really. It is more of a sequel because it's like six years after it's set six years after. Okay. So it is an actual sequel. All right. And so, but this time around we're getting a new Rocketeer. Okay. Who is a female and who's African-American. Ooh. 
Uh, yeah. So uh, it, it, the one thing it makes me wonder is where's the alignment with when things were decided between doing this for the Rocketeer and doing it for Iron Man? Right. You know, like were those things decided around the same time or? <laughs> exactly. So now the thing is, I'm wondering now the first, mind you, uh, when the first Rocketeer came out, uh, you know, you had the idea of diesel punk, although it wasn't called diesel punk. And in essence, that's what this actually is. So I'm wondering if we're going to see more of that. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so the writers are Max Winkler and Matt Spicer. And uh, it's being produced by Brigham Taylor of The Jungle Book. And uh, Blake Griffin from the L.A. Clippers and uh, Ryan Khalil of uh, The Panthers are also uh, somehow involved, <laughs> but see, okay. Blake, Blake, Griff, Blake Griffin is a huge geek. Oh, there you go. I believe he's he may a huge have geek. helped support it and get it off the ground. Right. So, so yeah. So now, you know that this movie had more of a cult following, but it had enough of a following that you know we were. You, you end up. It's one of those uh, series that I mean, I just picked up a trade a couple of weeks ago. Of the Rocketeer, and the funny thing is, we just bought the DVD, and awesome. and, and, we, and uh, it's also one of those figures that you can get that has the uh, five point was it five point articulation, articulation. the the, uh, the those uh, reproduction of the eighties characters like Merton yeah, Riggs. Yeah, I think yeah, um, so, retro whatever does it's. Um, yeah. Oh, what's the? I think it's Funko that actually puts them out, but they're um, they retro figures or something like that, where they just took a bunch of the old '80s and '90s movies and have put out figures for them in the old yeah, Kenner so, style. Yep. Yeah. And, and Rocketeer is one of them. So. It's, it's a property that's never completely gone away because of the cult following. No. So Yeah, I I, I, I told Don because I you know I had this love for the classic pulp heroes, and I decided that I needed to be able to have a day night weekend of of that stuff. And so that was one of the movies that I picked up in my, uh, my, my glut of classic pulp hero movie <laughs> buying re- retail. <laughs> Soon to be marathon of watching. Yeah. So yes. Don, Don knows it's coming. <laughs> oh, here we go. I just looked up on Amazon, the Rocketeer. You can get the 20th anniversary edition Blu-ray for 19 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not they're not all that pricey. No, <laughs> I'm wondering what they put on the 20th anniversary. It's got to have some pretty good special features that it's the 20th anniversary edition. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Rocketeer actually had a video game when that movie first came out too. And I would ne- I I think I was surprised by that because the movie the the video game itself was actually a PC game, and I didn't have a PC, so I wasn't cool enough to get it at that point. <laughs> But it, it looked the, the graphics were pretty good for PC games at that point. Yeah. So uh, scrolling down on this, Kylan, I think I just found the. Um, you need to go to Amazon. You can buy yeah. a. You know how they have frequently packaged together. They'll have a bundle deal. The Rocketeer yeah. 20th anniversary, the Shadow Blu-ray, and Dick Tracy on Blu-ray, all for forty three dollars. Yeah, obviously Dick Tracy's not worth watching. <laughs> I, and that the funny thing is I just bought the Shadow. We, we bought the Rocketeer, the Shadow, the Phantom, and Flash Gordon. We oh, bought all awesome. four of those. Yep. That's our marathon. And then we and I because I already had it, we have the the spirit. We do have spirit already. I do I, need to I see that one. Oh, you need to see the spirit, yeah. dude. 
I've that, heard that good things. Movie was, that movie was so underrated, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So, Any idea when this um, Rocketeer sequel is supposed to be coming? No, I mean, it's basically oh. just the sort of thing where they've just announced that it's going to happen. They don't have any kind of dates on it yet. Okay. And, and it's, it's interesting because I believe next year we're supposed to be getting uh, The Rock as Doc Savage. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so no, so we're getting Doc Savage. There's more pulp coming along. Uh, there's more pulp coming along. So I think somebody has some foresight, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, I, yet again, it feels like it's things are coming up, Kylan, because maybe they <laughs> they saw you know what Kylan. Then, that, then there's the possible Uncharted movie that they're still talking oh, about. Yeah, and that's kind of pulp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though it's modern, it's still pulp. Yeah, and that well, the, the influences were uh, Indiana Jones. Exactly. And Doc, Doc Savage, Savage. <laughs> and we looks yeah, like we're actually um, looking at a possible like um, pulp story renaissance almost or mini renaissance yeah, yes. if nothing else. Yes, into the mainstream. Yes. Definitely. Which that's I think the, we way, could use that. Well, that's the way mainstream ends up going. A lot of times, is though something that will come popular for another two or three years, we'll have that. Then we'll move on to something else. Maybe Diesel Punk yeah. will actually get big first, and then move on to the next one. You know. Right. Which is fine because that means we get great. We because when it hits the mainstream, you actually get really, really good content. Usually, exactly. I mean, you get some junk also, but <laughs> but geeks can sign, finally have some satisfaction when it gets to mainstream because right. they right. put money behind stuff. Exactly. Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Mm, got another one coming out. When's that? <laughs> okay. Um. So we have what? One more news story that you guys put up here? Um. Yeah. I want just wanted to mention because we talk about them so often anyway, uh, and we've talked about the scheduling of them before. The Marvel Netflix shows. Yes. Um, the chief content officer uh, for Netflix. Uh, well, we already know that Luke Cage is premiering September 30th, but they came out with uh, more of a list. Then um, following that is going to be Iron Fist and Defenders in 2017. Jessica Jones season two is going to premiere back to back with Defenders, but not until 2018. So the spinoff of, of uh, the Daredevil spinoff, technically, of Punisher is going to be after Jessica Jones season two. Okay. So at the earliest, Punisher is going to be 2018 and as well as Daredevil season three. Okay. So so there you go. That That's basically well, their schedule. So we're looking at Luke Cage, then Iron Fist, then Defenders, and then the rest. And that, actually, that's a lot of what we were calling anyway, just we didn't know time frame. It looks like, right. the way you said that, the Defenders back-to-back with Jessica Jones, looks like we're going to get Defenders in that November time slot. Probably. Because it'll drop mm-hmm. November, then you get Jessica Jones in either January or February. Yeah. Right. So. And um, well, when did you say Iron Fist was supposed to be? Um... Iron Fist is happening before Defenders. Iron Fist is right is after Luke Cage. But they said that's 2017. Yes. So that'll, so be, that'll be our winner. Be, that'll be the first one of the year in 2017, and then Defenders will be the second one of the year. So that'll be February March. So it looks like they've dropped yeah. into um because they were what about nine months from Daredevil to Jessica Jones originally. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like they're dropping into more of the six month frame now. So they're going to drop it into um March and September instead of mm-hmm. bringing it over to November. Right. Right. So. I still We're say about two a year. Yeah, I'm still agreeing with you guys over Mighty Marvel Geeks kind of that they could do three a year with no problem. Easily. They really could. They could, especially if you consider so many of the characters are going to be crossing over with defenders. Mm-hmm. They could do a lot of the filming at the same time. Right. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'm we thinking might say is hero higher movie of yeah. the series. The only thing I could think of is they may be looking as they don't want to flood the market too fast. Right. Right. So that people get well, tired and- of it. And especially since they have, 
you know, some of their other characters showing up other places like Ghost Rider with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to having its own series on Netflix sort of right. thing. Well, you never know. You may still get a different Ghost Rider on Netflix as its own series it's eventually. They, that yeah. could be um, – they may use – because they've done – TV series do it all the time. They may use Ghost Rider on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a backdoor to see if it actually has enough momentum to mm-hmm. carry its own show. That's true. true. So that's where that's where we got with Most Wanted originally before they canceled it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why they were doing and, so much with Bobby and um, Hunter. Yep. And we, and we know that things that happen in the Netflix universe bleeds over to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of the riots that took place in Daredevil Season 2. Mm-hmm. You hear reports of that on the news in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they, yeah. they do stick with the all-connected thing because right, so. you still get all the news back and forth. So, yeah, yeah so well, we that, could see that. Yeah, and you can see officially they're still connected with the movie universe, too, even though it we've not mm-hmm. seen anything hard evidence of one affecting the other other than the movies affecting TV. Right. right. Well, the, the interesting thing will be to see what happens after the Doctor Strange movie because they've said that that's the beginning of of the Marvel multiverse, not just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ooh, oh, interesting. So it it depends if they mean multiverse just in the sense of going to those alternate worlds and realities that a lot of characters are in, or if it means further connecting the TV shows. Yeah, that's so, true. We'll have to see. See, hmm. that's an, they, they stole they stole that from DC. DC's had a multiverse since like the fifties, right? <laughs> but um, well, we've actually we were discussing that's why they keep that. rebooting. <laughs> well. <laughs> But Marvel keeps changing the sex of their characters. So. Yeah, DC's done it too, yeah. plenty of times. They, don't, the they don't. They don't change the sex. They change the character. Yeah, they yeah, give a totally different character and give them the same name. Yeah, we we treat. Uh, we I mean, because so them. many of the characters are titles. Like Thor is a title, Captain America is a title, Iron yeah. Man's a title. I mean, it's not just the person. Right. Well, look at we were they talking treat more like mantles. We yeah. were talking about that for Legends of Tomorrow on um over at DC Superpowers. How like Doctor Midnight. Um, the character they're bringing in for Legends Obsidian is supposed to be the um, the sp- the son of um, I think it's the son or daughter of Doctor Midnight and um, Green Lantern. Now, everybody, when you think Doctor Midnight, everybody thinks the the man Doctor Midnight. But there's been so long that character is so old that at one point it was a woman. Mm-hmm. Right there, you go, and that's where you get Obsidian. So, yep. it's comic books. You give them enough time, they change the characters. They change it as, like you said, as some of being titles. You never anybody could hold that mantle. Yeah, right. That's what keeps people interested in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I should have Super Pup just take Superman's. Yeah, and I gotta, do you, I gotta play. Did I play that song for you, Kyla? You were on the other night when I played that the thing for Super Pup, the yeah. trailer or the song. Yeah, that would have been an interesting TV series. It was what Bark Bark Kent or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a. It was Don. You weren't on there, I don't think. But um, on the D, music of DC Comics Volume Two, they have the movie or the theme from the 1960s tv pilot of super pup and it was a uh, basically oh, wow. an early version of what we ended up with as um, crypto the super dog later rest in peace crypto <laughs> oh yeah that happened this week didn't see it? i read all the backstory on dc i know when they've killed characters oh, what man. happened oh yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah vicky yep. saw it in mine too that it was kind of interesting well he went out in a blaze of glory though he sacrificed himself yes, to save did. john he did so, and I didn't even know Super or Crypto existed in the DC universe at this point. <laughs> but that's because I wasn't Surprise. reading the New Fifty Two until Rebirth, right? So, so. that was a shock what when I opened you? the comic book and looked at Crypto sitting there with the cape and everything else. That was it was like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if anybody doesn't know, read um, Superman. They're on number four now. The Superman comic Rebirth right now has um, Crypto the Super Dog was in issue three, I believe. 
Division 4 comes out this week. And the Eradicator's back, too, if you're interested. <laughs> um, wow. But moving out of that, <laughs> yep. I think we're ready to talk about this brand new TV show. Yes, we are. Um, and actually, just, just to start this off real quick, I have I have IMDb up. Let me see if I can if they have the decent description here or else I can go to um, Wiki. The show description for it. Yeah, IMDb has a really abbreviated one. So That's um, all we need. Well, it was like a two paragraph. So it's um, according to Wiki, this show is actually set in the night. It's a show set in the 1980s in Indiana, and it's a homage to all of the or many many of the 1980s pop culture phenomenons, um, and uh, among other works, a lot of stuff. And it pulls a lot from Stephen King, um, John Carpenter, Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, and there's also some Rob Reiner and George Lucas references in there. Yep. Um, but it's about a young boy who vanishes um, mysteriously. Then a telekinetic girl dis- appears, and it's his three friends. The whole show is the three his three friends working with the girl, trying to find the um, Will. Uh, it was Will was the boy that's missing, right? Yes. Yep. And then at the same time, you have the police chief working with Will's mom, trying to find him, and his brother with one of the with Mike is one of the other boys. His with Mike's sister trying to find. They're all three working the same mystery, and no, until the end, they don't even know that they're working the same mystery. Yeah, pretty much. So, that's But the- they slowly all start to realize that there's something very strange about this whole mystery. Yes. <laughs> um, it's very messed up. It was only eight episodes. It came out July 15th, so at this point, most people, I think, have at least heard about it and started on it, and there's going to be plenty of spoilers here, Geeksters. So, warning you now. <laughs> Because I don't know if we can talk about this and actually fill out a show without the spoilers, but there was some awesome stuff in there. You were bummed that they didn't do the E.T. thing. Well, no, they did with a twist. They did a whole bunch of E.T. stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Well, no, he talked about the bike. Yeah, with the bicycles. That was awesome. I was waiting for the bicycles to start flying. The van was the replacement for that. Yeah, that was even better, I think, than the bicycles flying. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And you know they did that on purpose. What it is Mm -hmm. is um, it's just like E.T. Geeksters where um, the government is chasing these kids on bicycles. And um, they're going down the street and there's a van coming straight at them with the um, government guys in it. And you're expecting that E.T. moment where they fly over. And um, you know the directors did this on purpose to flip the script on everybody. And um, the girl with the telekinesis smashes the van and flips it up over top of them so they can keep going and block the road behind them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know they did that just to see what kind of reaction they'd get out of people. <laughs> but um, some of the big, bigger names that are in here is Winona Ryder's in it, playing um, Will is the main boy that goes missing. Her, his mother was Winona Ryder. Um, David Harbour, I know I've seen him in stuff. I don't know what he was been in. Oh, he wow. played the police chief, Hopper. Um, oh, wow. He was in Quantum of Ma- Solace. Matthew- he was in Equalizer. Matthew Modine was the other biggie. Like, basically, yeah. Winona Ryder and Matthew Modine were the two biggies because they were... Of the 80s. Yeah. Like and Matthew in, Modine. In some iconic stuff. And Matthew Modine's character in this was crazy. Mm-hmm. He's a dick. I'm sorry. He's a dick. <laughs> Pretty much. He is. Yeah. It was. Oh. oh, I'll be nice to this little girl and then I'll do all this stuff to her. My God. Well, <laughs> it's all based around an actual, um, actual CIA um, experiments back in the 60s called the MK Ultra Project, mm-hmm. which some, mm-hmm. conspiracy theorists have known about this for years. And supposedly it's still going on today. Yeah, according to according to Vicky, said uh, rumors are they're still doing this now. It was one of those black op pro- ops projects where they start playing with LSD viewing. with people. Hmm? It's remote viewing. What's remote viewing? Using your mind to to view uh, something in the distance. Okay. You know, you'd be here. And- if you go, if you go to downtown Akron, there's a psychology museum there. They actually have tapes of a lot of these sort of tests. Where's that at? 
And it's right on the it's right on UAkron campus. It's free to get into and everything. We yeah. went there a couple years ago. Oh, we're gonna have and they have all sorts of the weird government conspiracy theory stuff there, and and unless they've changed a lot of it, but they had some of the tests that they did and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Against uh, Russia. Yeah, and well, I'm that's, that's the moment. other big thing. Everything has to be against the commies because it's the eighties, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, and um, anybody who did originally, what people do know from this MK Ultra was it was the CIA using um. LSD and all these other things to try to open up people's minds and actually explore um, all of the like um, psychic abilities and stuff. The mm-hmm. Well, the idea open up the mind. and the idea on this one was um, the one girl who was going through these experiments was pregnant at the time, pregnant at the time, and no one knew. Well, she did nope. later on. Yeah, she found out later. Well, yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the baby becomes this little girl with all these psychic abilities. Supposedly. But everyone was convinced that she miscarried, though. They didn't yeah. know the baby was actually born. So, well, it, it's hinted very much that this is the same baby, but they never officially oh, yeah. confirm it, which makes it great for this movie. <laughs> but right. um, there's, you also... there's a lot of a lot of questions, unanswered questions in this for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, I love that part of this and which is another eighties trope type deal yeah. is they give you all the questions, but they don't give you all the answers. That's like the end yeah, it's, scene. Hmm? The it's end very scene. Stephen King yeah. that way. It is. It's so. like, especially like with the ending and stuff, Stephen King movies and books always end with the, the, the monster possibly still being there and that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Well, there was some of the when I was flipping through the um, trivia stuff on this, one of the big ones that I did not notice. Did you guys notice anything special about the police in this? Anything special? Nope you didn't. You didn't catch it then. You'd know exactly what I meant. Um, all, right. all of the police, the the uniforms for the police, the tri- wait, the um, triangle um, town logo badge, everything yeah. there. The police cars, including Hopper's tan uniform and the um, his blazer and the hats they're using. They're identical to the Amity Island Police Department from Jaws and Jaws 2. Nice. They're the same uniforms. Cool. So when I said that there's references to everything in here all over the place, that's the type of stuff you got in here. There's there's a great video that someone put together on Vimeo of a side-by-side comparison of scenes from the movie and scenes from the originals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, it covers, like, all of them. And it's it the ones that have the most are... Like E.T., Goonies, Close Encounters, and Firestarter, I think, are the ones that have the most references. Oh, yeah. Well, the, when the girl and walks into the grocery store, I told Vicky, dude, this is a straight Firestarter here. Yeah. yeah. The, well, the whole thing with the girl, period, was Firestarter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they were testing on her and everything, mm-hmm. and then she was doing all the telekinetic stuff. The only thing you didn't get was her actually starting a fire. That's true. <laughs> um, oh, another one is not an 80s reference was um, the the under dark, or the underside or underworld upside down is what they called it in the show. Upside down. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the monsters and just the world of the upside down. Did that look somewhat familiar? The monsters looked very labyrinth like. Yeah. OK. Well, more like Pan's Labyrinth than actual Labyrinth. Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. But, um, but actually, the monster itself, it was funny. That whole face of the monster when it opened up, that was that was obviously from Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, it was. <laughs> actually, they don't have that listed. They have it as, um, I have it here somewhere. They had it, there was another mo- monster before that. No. Huh? Open its mouth up. Yeah, Vicky, it reminded her of um, Blade Trinity, the Pomeranians. The Pomeranians. Yeah, again, from Audrey. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, no, this, well, um, according to um, the thing I saw was it, it one of the major references for that one is actually the final spider creature in it when the kids yeah, are trying to shoot the yeah. um, slingshot. Yeah, there's a bunch of it stuff in this. That's <laughs> true. Um, but the Upside Down world was influenced mostly the the art style from Silent Hill and the Silent yeah, Hill I movies. Can see 
Okay. That's you yeah. see the ash falling all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, every corner you look at, like um, every at least once in every one of these episodes, there's only eight episodes. There was a poster to something from the '80s. There's Jaws posters yes. all over the place. The thing you actually get clips mm-hmm. from the thing. Could you book? Um, mm-hmm. When the the one guard that's guarding the morgue and um, gets taken out by Hopper was sitting there reading yeah. Cujo. Yep. I mean, even down to the the title sequence on um, that comes out to Stranger Things is the same typeset and font that they used for the Stephen King movies and books back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. every single Stephen King thing, that's the font, definitely. So... Um, and even the even the music, and I, don't even, and I don't mean like the 80s pop tunes, I mean just the instrumental music Yeah, was flat-out 80s with the synthesizers was, and that kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A, John, a strong John Carpenter feel to yeah. it, you know? Which opening scene? Opening music and credits. And stuff. Oh, yeah. So, um, How they edited the fuzz in and all that. Yeah, that was another one I noticed that they said um, they purposely, it, digitally, after they made this, because everything's filmed digitally now, mm-hmm. so you don't get the qualities. In the 80s, it was a little grainy. It would look a little bit um, off because that's just the best you could do with cameras at that time. They actually went right. back later and digitally added the graininess and stuff to make it look 80s. Mm-hmm. So that watching this, it looks and feels just like um, you would see Stand By Me or E.T. or It or any of these other ones yep. that looks like them. Or your brain tells you this is from the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and even with the um, the brother taking all the photographs, when he was developing photographs, they were not crisp, clear photographs. No, no. You know, it was like what you, what you get when you take pictures on film at night. Right. And that really fit together. Mm-hmm. Yes. There were, there were some, thing, some references that were just like, almost one-time only things like when you had the one that you loved um that got you laughing was when the kid when the one kid went off by himself in one of the later episodes and he was packing his bag full of stuff and he put the headband on yes oh yes commando yeah (laughs) see i saw a rambo with it but then commando rambo you saw it as one of the froggy brothers yeah that's what i was saying the frog brothers from lost boys yeah, well, actually, the but the scene itself was like a shot from Commando. They had oh, okay. that side by side video. They had the video of it. Ah, okay. Yeah, like, but, you know, um, the knife and the headband. I was like, now he's ready to go kick butt. You know? <laughs> I even liked how he took. The, they had those giant walkie-talkies that they were using the whole time. Yes. So um, they, t- they said that was reminiscent of one that I hadn't seen called Explorers. Yeah, oh, Explorers is actually available on Amazon. It is awesome. Yeah. Um, they, they said with all the big walkies and talking mm-hmm. back and forth like that. Yeah. Um, they had that, the Explorers, it was interesting because they, they and take the like a... reference to Lando constantly. Oh, yeah. They, there's Star yeah. Wars references everywhere in this thing. Yeah. But, well, and um, the X-Men. They talk about the X-Men a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I guess um, the the X-Men comic, they, they do at the beginning when they make the deal, the bet, and he loses X-Men number 134 yeah. or whatever. That was the first yeah. appearance of Dark Phoenix. Yeah, it was a big one. That's why he. That's why he was like any comic. He knew exactly which comic he wanted. Which kind of, yeah. It was a collectible. It was interesting that okay, it's the first appearance of Dark, Dark Phoenix, and then who shows up? Mm-hmm. And th- that's the whole. That's with that. Yeah, also, yeah. Um, the shed in Will's backyard that he disappears in. I guess when yeah. he goes in, there's actually an upside down um, horseshoe. horseshoe above the door, which signifies bad luck usually. Yeah. So they had even little things like that. If you look in the background of all these scenes, you get little things. The shed was exactly was um, a shot from ET as well. Okay. When yep. The kid ran out of his house yes. into the shed. And the little girl running around in the dress yes. and the wig. And then the kid in the yep. yeah the dress and the wig hiding in the closet. Exactly. Um, what, I'm trying to think of some of the other there there was stuff everywhere in here. Well, the whole the the way the the monster looked when it was coming through the walls and stuff that yeah. was like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Oh, okay. Freddy would always do that. 
But a um, lot of it just reminded me straight out of Poltergeist because you had the portal and people going into the portal and like especially in the early episode where they had the one guy go in and they were pulling him out. That was directly from Poltergeist yeah. where they put the mom in to get the kid out because they had a rope around her. Yeah. And they well, were pulling her out again. Uh, the trivia when I looked at it mentioned the whole um, when Winona Ryder's character is actually in the house talking to Will, that is very, very much exactly what they did with the mother and Carol Ann in Poltergeist. Yep. Where they're yep. talking back and forth through the wall. Mm-hmm. The, no, the little, the, the little Holly girl was standing there staring. That was all. Yeah, that's another poltergeist moment. No, With, that's actually um, Close Encounters. Was it? Because if you remember that, you have a little kid who opens the door and sees the big fireball outside the door, and the mom comes behind and shuts the door and yeah. grabs her. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. That was Close Encounters, yeah. Well, Same speak- with her. Like going crazy around her living room and setting stuff up and wrecking things and that that was like Richard Dreyfus right out mm-hmm. of Close yeah. Encounters. Well, uh, speaking of Holly, even the little she girl, the mashed potatoes, mashed too. potatoes. That's true. That was later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just picked that up. That's but um, no, Holly, the little girl that was there, that was yeah. actually played by twins, which is normal for um, very right. young toddlers and babies. But I guess every one of the scenes that she actually did something was improvised. They didn't oh, write okay. anything for her. That way they didn't have to, they tried to get whatever reaction they could out of her and just use what they could. Right, Like her right. drinking out of That's the cup and slamming her. it down yeah. and shaking it and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, and the part where she slouches down in the chair and just says yes Ooh. or something like that, that's all improvised. Nice. So, little, 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 little kids and animals don't work with them in movies. <laughs> I think, I think one of the things that works best with this series is if you are either a child of the 80s or you've seen those movies. Like, mm. I think a lot of people non-geeks or whatever you want to call them norms um will enjoy the series but they won't get quite as much out of it well it's just like um yeah. basically anybody 30 and over. yeah if you're as vicky said if you're like age 30 or older you get all the references if not this is one of those movies that's nice about some of these remakes we're getting also like ghostbusters you look at it the kids are enjoying the mo- loving the movie and it's phenomenal they're not picking up all the references where the older adults are sitting there watching it and saying oh, oh wow i remember this i remember that and the kids have no idea what's going on it's great on multiple levels well a lot of it yeah. was the younger ones are the ones that are complaining that they nothing's original they just copied everything yeah and us older ones are like right. that's fantastic because they know where it came from it's almost like you got right. three age ranges if you're 20 or younger they're really really loving it between 20 and 30 to 35 they're pointing out all the problems and all the things with it. And then 35 and older is like, dude, this was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Right. I think the thing is though, like, yes, it emulates all these originals, but the fact that they're able to put it together so well and not be overt and obvious about it all. Right. That's what makes it work so well. Mm -hmm. And even the scenes where they are overt and obvious about it, it didn't feel like they were um, straight copying stuff like the stand by me where they're walking on the um, railroad tracks. You see, that's a Stand By Me moment, but it's not... Right. They're not copying the scene out of it. You can tell it's an homage. Yeah, it just made sense that they were walking... Because they're going through the woods following the railroad track. Exactly. It I did um, I did see an article that was ta- where they were talking to the kids, who the, the child actors who played the group of kids, and they were talking about the fact that they actually had to tell them what things were. Like, they had never seen a rotary dial phone. <laughs> yeah. They didn't they didn't know what a big walkie talkie was. Like they were so confused by some of these things. Well, that's funny. Um, and also that's because they're all like 12 around 12. Yeah. They're born. This well, exactly. They, they have not, I mean, people born 10, 15 years ago don't know these things, period. No, um, they've always had, they've, they've always never had, had a record player. They don't know cassettes. They don't, <laughs> they've always had cell phones. Yeah, exactly. You know? But, um, there were, 
the, you would get really, really geek out about it if you look. You remember the the one episode had a, a huge part that the Millennium Falcon was in it, right? Yeah. That yep. wasn't the right Millennium Falcon. No, it right. wasn't. <laughs> that was actually a Millennium Falcon from the 2004 set. Right. Because the original so, one didn't have the plastic on the um, wow. engines. Was that was stickers. just stickers. There was a couple other things right. on there that had been updated. The bottom yep. part, too. So, But it's one of those that, unless you're a really big geek, <laughs> you don't even notice well, stuff like on. that. come how on. Many, how many times did they drop it while they were filming? Because, I mean, she drops it a few times or whatever. I mean, you don't want the original. <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm not going to let them drop my Millennium Falcon. I have it here on top exactly. of my bookshelf. It's not going anywhere. Because <laughs> so. uh, I'm sitting there, I look like when you look at it, I'm like, that. that's not the right Millennium Falcon, but okay. Who cares? It's still a Millennium thing. Falcon. Right. The the other interesting thing is, though, like, I didn't know who these Duffer brothers were. And they've they've only done, like, one other big thing or something. Like, they're... Yeah, something called The Hidden. It's not like they're really well known. Yeah. But the other one, the producer, has been in... Has done everything. Right. Uh, hang on. Let me bring that up. I got his name right here, too. Yeah, I think The, the, the Hidden was something about one of those post-apocalyptic viral, virus kind of things that... Yeah. Well, not always, but the Duffer Brothers actually, Vicky brought that up too. The Duffer Brothers wrote a couple episodes of Wayward Pines also. Right. Which just also has that similar feel to it. Pines is fantastic. We actually just watched the end of that. (laughs) To have gotten like a complete series like this on Netflix just out of those things is a pretty big deal. Well, I think part of it was um, Sean Levy is the executive producer and he goes all the way back to 1986, but he directed all of the Night at the Museum movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Under directing, he's got the Night at the Museum movies, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen, the first one. Um, the Pink Panther. He's got. And it's all these comedy. He he directed Real Steel, but there's a lot of comedy stuff that he did. Yeah. And then he's doing um, this, and he produ- and he produced just as much stuff. And there's right. a lot of television from the '90s all the way through now that he's either produced, directed, or he was an actor in some of it too. Mm. Stuff like um, I'm trying to see if there's any of that Birds of Prey he directed, the TV series, The Unbreakable Jim, um, Kimmy Schmidt is what she ju- he just came off of directing. Oh, uh, okay. So he's more of a con, which is good because this. Like a lot of the 80s, I didn't watch a lot of 80s Stephen King stuff, but if I remember right, there was some good comedy in those too, wasn't there? Yeah, he always had some one-liners and stuff. So it's like, that's part of the feel of this is, um, like we talk about the modern movies with the superhero movies, how Marvel's doing phenomenal because you get the laughs in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that this had the laughs, but it still had the scary moments too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Girl gets angry because her, her boyfriend got hurt, so she destroys the monster. <laughs> it's some of that stuff the um the fact that the kids are so young makes it so that the love stuff in there doesn't get annoying because it's just funny to see how uncomfortable they are the whole time right and it it kind of makes sense the way you know she has been so secluded from all of that sort of thing she doesn't even understand what's going on she exactly kissed her yeah yeah she was shocked she's like um uh, uh what was that <laughs> but then all of a sudden it's just like oh <laughs> But the actress did shave her head off too, which yeah. is very surprising at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say well, yeah, actually, she had long hair too. Mm-hmm. She sh- she did shave the hair for the show, and um, she was scared about that because she's like eleven. Yeah. She yep. plays the character eleven, but she's like eleven years old. And they, I guess, in order to um or to show her to make her relax a little bit, they actually showed her um pictures from Mad Max Fury Road of yeah Charlize Theron and yeah. Winona Ryder talked her through it a little bit too. They, Showing her how, look, this character's awesome and she's got a shaved head. That's right. It'll grow back. Exactly. And they've showed pictures. They've showed pictures of her her hair's already growing back a bunch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Another quick, funny trivia thing. You remember Hopper's in this, the old school um, single wide trailers where he lives in. Mm -hmm. The art department paid $1 for that trailer. (laughs) It looks like it too. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, th- this one's interesting because we're dealing with kids that are 10 to 12 years old. Um, Gaten Matrazo, who plays Dustin, the kid with no teeth, mm-hmm. um, his voice had changed so much by the time they were done with production that they couldn't use him for ADR work afterwards. Oh. He could not replace his own voice because his voice does not sound the same. It dropped. <laughs> he cracked. Uh-huh. I'm just nice. flipping through the, as we're talking, I'm just flipping through these different um, trivia stuff. There's some great stuff in here. That but I like, I like how by the, by the end of the show, like that last episode, it's a true climax episode where you get everyone facing off against the monster. You get resolution. And then there's that little bit afterwards where things aren't quite what you think they are. Exactly, and then you get yeah. the, um, then you get a couple of little cliffhangers of what's coming if if and when they get a next second season. Which right now indications they've not been renewed, but it looks they're going to. Uh, yeah, Net- Netflix has not confirmed it, but the producers, directors, and that have almost confirmed it. They basically talked about there's a possibility what's mm-hmm. what's happening going forward. Um, here's another that little it, trivia thing for all the Walking Dead fans. Um, in episode two, the weirdo at Maple Street. The same location was used for the quarry scene there. Um, that's the one where they find the body in the quarry, isn't it? Yep. Well, that quarry was actually the same one used in season one of The Walking Dead. Yeah, where they had so. all the trucks and they had to block off the roadway. Yeah, But okay. then the, the zombies started breaking through the truck enclosure and then it was a swarm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's I thought, you know, it's that quarry. <laughs> I thought that quarry looked familiar. <laughs> But As most quarries do. I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was the, it was the, if it was a quarry from that or the quarry from the movie Breaking Away, because uh, oh, there was a quarry okay. where everybody would go and hang out and right. swim. So Ooh. I wasn't sure. So it also said that the some of the quarries. It looks like not all those quarry scenes were used in the, were the, from the same place. Because it said there was mm-hmm. another one. Um, they said that most of the quarry scenes were filmed in the same place as another Netflix series, uh, Fundamentals oh. of Caring. So I I've that. never heard of it, but it's a Netflix original. <laughs> it, interestingly, the one who played Barbara, um, I, I don't know if it was just this past week or something. She actually tweeted out, who do I talk to to get to play Squirrel Girl? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody so wants Kendrick that character. Has, Anna Kendrick now has competition for Squirrel Girl. I think Katie should take it. Yeah. Or John Barrowman. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we um, can play Squirrel Girl's daddy. There's an age issue for both, I think. Probably. Squirrel Girl's young. But um, the character of the state trooper O'Bannon, who was actually the guy in charge, I guess, yeah. that was actually a reference to Dan O'Bannon, who was a screenwriter for Alien and for Dark Star. Oh. Now, Dark Star is one that if everybody should probably see it once, but that's all you're ever going to be able to see it because you cannot watch that movie more than once. <laughs> it was a John Carpenter really, really bad. Um, I mean, John Carpenter's known for B movies anyway, but this yeah, was yeah. like a D-list movie. <laughs> Oh, that's what of it's about. sci-fi. Oh, they have an alien or this. If I remember the movie right, Kylan, have you seen Dark Star? I have not. If I remember right, there's actually a, um, a robot droid type thing that bounce, that floats around. Now, Dark Star is from 1974. If that tells you anything about sci-fi, oh. but it's supposedly this robot that's floating around. It's actually a beach ball with stuff um, glued to it to float around the oh, places. <laughs> oh. It was Quality. one of John Carpenter's Quality. first movies he ever did. Oh, well, there you go. See, that just shows what a budget can do to a movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So, um... No budget interns. Yep. Make, make the FX stuff work. Um, oh, the, uh, kind of just a little quirk. Winona Ryder was born in 1971. So in 1983, she would have she was 12 years old, the same age as all the kids in this movie. As the kids, yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Let me see what else we got that's good stuff in here. The MK Ultra Project we already heard, talked about. Slingshots... Firestarter. 
Oh, there's even that um that one Carrie moment, you know, at the end of Carrie when they're putting flowers on the grave and the hand reaches out. It's like when the girl is trapped in the all in the in the upside down, but she's in the tree and her hand reaches out. Yeah, yeah. That was for Carrie. Okay. Um, also, it says um, in episode seven, when Hopper ki- rescues his kids out of the school bus, I guess yeah. it was um, intentionally filmed to look like a scene out of Indiana Jones. I'm trying to think of what scene they're talking about. What? <laughs> or to resemble Indiana Jones. So unless it's just so that he looked like Indiana Jones coming in. Well, I mean, he, had, he had the hat on yeah, he had the hat. but I don't, I don't see Indiana Jones in that scene. Well, the one thing we've not talked about that is a major um, plot device and thread through this entire thing is Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah. This whole thing. How it all begins. Exactly. That and the references throughout the whole thing, the whole idea of the Underdark and where the kids are figuring this out, or the Underside and all this was actually themes that they had read in Dungeons and Dragons. On their own very Google. Yeah. What? Their teacher, their very own Google. Oh, yeah. The teacher was like the early 80s version of Google. Right. Their science teacher teaches them about all this stuff. They call them up at like three in the morning, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was at ten at night. They needed the sensory deprivation chamber specifics. Yeah. But <laughs> and, and, and he was on a date. I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised by that. I'll be honest. With he you. had a date. Yeah. Well, the thing is, get, oh, go ahead. Well, see, I, here's the thing. I was convinced that he was not straight. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why. his character was effeminate for sure. Yeah, it has that but, feel to it. Yeah. But the but the ladies love him. Apparently, that's because that's he okay. would have been a teenager during the seventies, and seventies was highly in drugs. That's yeah, right. yeah. Well, the thing was the amount of stuff that this teacher knew about how to do. It's like I, I don't. Is he only a teacher? Right. Because he had some well, some deep knowledge, like DARPA level knowledge on some of this stuff. Well, there was always one teacher. I know at my school we had a teacher that had that kind of knowledge. You're like, are. Well, I mean, if he's into yeah. if he's into ham radio, which was the other big thing in this, yeah. If he's into ham radio, he has access to a lot of different things around the world, and you know is what? likely into more stuff than that. The more I'm thinking about it, you know what? He almost reminds me of um, one of those um, science teachers that got into the science stuff because he's the right age to have been a hippie in the late '60s, early '70s. That maybe he learned after that, but he's that still influenced his view of science, kind of yeah, like a, um, Dennis Hopper's character in My Science Project. That's when they were going to space. NASA. If you remember that, hmm? Hmm? NASA. Yeah, you would have been around that age. But did you guys ever see My Science Project? Yeah. yeah. So it's similar to that um, teacher in there. If that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now, now I want to see that again. <laughs> I have it on DVD. <laughs> that's the thing. Watching the watching this show makes you want like an '80s movie marathon. It's like who has time for that right now? <laughs> <laughs> But I did see something interesting about the cliffhanger nature of the ending. Not just the fact that the kid has spits something up as if there might be something inside him and he might not be the original kid that comes back. Ooh. But the fact that his mom and the cop both took off their helmets when they were in the underside, the upside yes. down. And it was supposed to be toxic. So they were breathing something too. And something could have happened with them. Well, mm. um, that last scene, I got a couple things. The couple oh, and things... the girl. The girl was, was in there, too, without any equipment on it near the beginning when she went in the tree. And from the way it looks oh, at the end, right. she may still be there now. You never Who? know the way they left that open. What? Wait, no. The little I, I girl. Think, no, no, the sister's she's out. She's talking about Nancy. Oh, you're talking about Nancy? Okay. Not, yeah. not, oh, yeah. not okay. Barbara. Well, um, Barbara's dead. 
Yeah, Barbara's dead. The the one here, that scene where you're talking about the kid spits out the te- tentacle thing. Yeah. Um, supposedly, think of it a, as a, sp- a long slog. Parasite. Yeah. Well, I guess I didn't. I never watched it, but I guess that, that may be actually a um, reference to Twin Peaks, yeah. the end of Twin Peaks. They leave babies inside of him. Mm. Oh. There's an. Uh, you want another reference? Vicky just came up with one. Maybe an alien reference. This thing laid eggs inside of him. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Because it but wasn't the, killing him, obviously. When when the um when the cop and the mom were walking through that that upside down, the cop came across that egg looking thing. Yeah, right. Vicky noticed that too. I didn't see it. The egg thing. It was big. It was huge. It was yellow, and it was. I must have been looking away for a second. But I couldn't. I couldn't tell if it was like open, as if something had Mm -hmm. come out of it, or if there was still something in there. It was open. Okay. Yeah. It was yellow, and the top of it was open, like the ones. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, there was something else I was gonna bring up on that. Oh, at the end there, I was almost expecting um. The way Hopper grabbed the stuff from the party is like, I'm not going to stick around here. And then they switched to the scene at um, Will's house with his mom and brother, and she was putting dinner on. I was almost expecting Hopper to walk in the door. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been kind of cool. True. But um, Vicky actually found a list. Was that oh. the right one? No, this is Oh, just she's the, looking up for a list. The, there this was, is just the ones that um, were, like, inspired. Okay. There was actually a list on Facebook of the... sci-fi references. Oh, what was that then? Stranger Things 10 key 80s sci-fi references. What were the references on we there? We talked about them. Yeah, we talked. Oh, she said we already got them. E.T. <laughs> we covered all of them, I yeah. think. <laughs> now, I didn't catch the Goonies references. What were the Goonies ones? The Goonies was throughout the whole thing. Yeah, the, the, kids, the whole group of kids the, going on the adventure oh, and okay. getting away from the bad guy. That The whole thing was Goonies. See, I was looking for yeah. more of the overt references. That That's just, yeah, yeah, the whole theme of the thing was an adventure with the kids. Yeah. Right. Oh, one thing that actually surprised Vicky and I both was um, the one character that out of nowhere from the beginning you wouldn't expect it but they had the I think the largest character development and move and um, growth would be that Steve character yeah he yeah, started he as was. the prototypical jock jerk who's just trying to get into the skirt of whoever he can but, and by but the end just, but it was an 80s movie thing though yeah. yeah it was always the guy who was the jerk at the beginning who suddenly became the golden boy by the end right but you, at this point even after seeing all the 80s movies you don't expect to see it right right <laughs> well I see I expected it completely because it was the whole, the whole cool group of kids. Yeah, they couldn't all stay cool, right. and that actually was pretty close to the Goonies because the the sister in that group was the one who ended up supporting her brother in the Goonies. Right, and then um, and actually, the Barbara looked exactly like. Um, oh yeah, what's her face from the Goonies? Was her name Martha? Mar- I forget what her name was, but she had big glasses and yes, short red yes, hair. Yes, and actually exactly thinking about like it, her. both of those girls looked like that. The sister and her. Looked like they could have yeah, been directly exactly, out yeah, of that. It looked like the two girls exactly. Those ones had that had to be another uh, purposeful thing oh, done yeah. by the directors. Yeah. To I get it that close. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, um, but this is this was a, like I said an awesome show. They better have another at least one more season of it. I think we need to have a lot more TV done like this. Yeah, I think quite honestly because of all the chatter about it and the fact that it's. It's scoring high with geeks and norms across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I think there's no doubt there's going to be a second season. I agree. Oh, yeah. I'd be surprised, highly surprised if there wasn't. See, and I can't wait for the soundtrack to come out. Yeah, they're doing a soundtrack for it. This is actually the way I think um, they should be going with. Um, instead of making direct um, remakes and reboots and stuff inspired by the original, they, this is the way they need to go to where it is a new story. This is pretty much... I, the main overall plot of the story is something new. Right. Mm-hmm. But everything in it is old. Right. 
So you just take the storytelling because they're doing that anyway. They're rematching and rehashing all the story elements that we've always had and making a gobbledygook and putting it back out there. Well, this is the right way to do it, I think. Where, yeah, you're getting the mashup of all this stuff, but it's not done to steal the ideas. It's done to make, um, to just show your love of that time frame. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking an original story, but using inspiration either from the look or the overall feel or the character types. I mean, to not actually just rehash it. Right. It's definitely a great way to go. And it's not an 80s reference. But that final scene, do you know where they got that final scene of Will in the bed and the kids come in and um and all hugging on him and stuff? Did you guys recognize that scene? Oh, you know that what, is a direct that, reference for, pull from another movie. It is. I saw it and I, it's like it re- it resonated with me, and I'm like, why is this? Look Keep working it. You got it. You'll find it. Oh, <laughs> uh, just tell him. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yes. From return from um Return of the King oh, when right. Frodo's in bed and the other hobbits attack him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a direct pull out of that. Um that, them arguing yeah. about Hobbit or um <laughs> Yeah. It was Hobbit. Lord of the Rings. It was the Hobbit. <laughs> the thing is it's in both if I remember, right? It is. <laughs> the story of it is in the Hobbit, but it's mentioned Mirkwood Forest is mentioned in Lord of the right. Rings. Right. So um I like that kid though. He was like such the Uber geek. Like he remembered everything. Yeah. He had the facts on everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was awesome. Um I was I was kind of waiting for him to do a truffle shuffle though. I mean, really, he was so chunk. It was just I was it's like, come on, just lift the shirt a little. That that was the Goonies too. The pudding. The pudding yep. was from okay. Yeah, instead of the ice, um, cream. ice cream. Yep, yep, yep. I'm talking about the See, lunch there, ladies hoarding there were pudding. References right there. Yeah, you just missed them. <laughs> well, they, I missed them because of all the other references. Exactly. It's hard to keep up. It was definitely hard to keep up. This is definitely going to need at least a second viewing, if not more, just to find everything that's in it. Yep. Um. I'm just trying to anything. Um, the one blatant one of actually of Hopper being Lando, and they eventually do yeah. pay it off, and he does do what they expected him to do. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes you wonder when he got into that government car. Was it because they suspected Eleven was still around somewhere, or was it for something completely different? I'm and wondering he if suspected it later. I'm wondering if that wasn't another part of the deal that they didn't show us on screen. That yeah, he's going to tell him where Eleven is, but now. He's actually working with them in the town to right. keep everything quiet. That's just it. I mean, right. so quite now, honestly, he has, he has mm-hmm. one of the most interesting storylines. If you think about it, you finally found out what happened to his daughter. Right. But you don't know. They said he was a big city cop. Where was he a big city cop? Why is he suddenly in a small town? Was I think they mentioned his daughter. I think they mentioned Chicago at some point because this is not that far from there anyway. I don't think I heard Chicago. Huh. Mm. That's what that's the. But, that's the um, idea I got was that he wasn't that far from where it happened originally, where that happened. Right. Right. He's probably one of they didn't tell any of this, but it he probably reminded where Jonathan me. Went to yeah to go get his dad. Well, yeah, there is a because um, <coughs> this guy obviously grew up in the town in this town right. because he knows everybody's backstories, and this is That's one true. of those towns that is small enough that everybody knows everybody. Yep, right. So um, he knew he grew up in this town. And one of those guys that grew up, moved away, became a cop at the, in whatever the local big city is, uh, whether it's just big city Indiana, more than likely. Yeah. And then um, something happened there, which we find out later that his daughter died from cancer and he ends up divorced and comes back to um But that might not home. be why he came back. Yeah. I mean, it's presumed, but that might not be why. That's true. And pl- because he had, he obviously had like some kind of alcohol problem or something. And- yeah. Yeah. Is it possible he did some of those government tests? Because remember at the end when they have him there and they're going to give him something, the guy says, well, you know, this is just a cop who's 
a junkie who's gone back to his ways and fallen off the wagon or whatever. I think everybody. Right. It's like they know something about him. Yeah. They know something about him for sure. Well, also, you see at the very beginning of the um, series that he's always he's got these um, prescription that he's always taking. I don't know if it's anxiety or what it is. Exactly. So he's got something to start with. So the calling him a junkie could be the fact that he was on something and got off of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot of backstories they can explore in the second season for sure. Exactly. Well, this one, this I think would also um, be great for a series of short stories for each of the characters. Right. Right. Put them out on and Amazon it, or something. Yep. And the kid's dad is so clueless. Well, it's our government. They 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 have our best interests at heart. You're like, <laughs> I the, love really? that guy. Most clueless '80s dad ever. <laughs> but that fits. Like, if you look, watch the '80s does. movies. Oh, most does. of the dads are like that. <laughs> Mom runs everything. She knows what's going on, and the dad is like, "But it's our government." <laughs> dad, and especially the first scene you ever see him in Did when I he's sitting something? there playing with the TV. Did I miss something? Yeah, yeah. Eat your chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, oh, yeah, yeah, all he wants to do is watch yeah, Night Rider. Rabbit ears, rabbit ears. That's right. That's '80s for you, rabbit ears. All he wants to do is go to work. Come home, sit down, and watch Knight Rider. I mean, come on. Is there anything else that needs to be done? That's right. <laughs> um, the one that I had a question about, which I answered myself, was um, every time they dialed the pl- they always dialed 911. If I remember, yeah. at least around here, 911 didn't come in until the mid to late 80s. But then I looked up on Wiki, and it looks like 911, depending on where you were at, they were using yeah. the 911 system at, all the way back to the 60s. It just depended on how where you were at and whether the system was ready for it. Yeah, it, it definitely depended because, you know, a lot of times you could just dial zero. And yeah, when I was a kid, slowly, you, slowly started to come in. When I was a kid, you'd dial zero. And once you got the operator, then they would tell you, hook you right. up to wherever you needed. Right. So, and now I, I don't even know if you dial zero, can you actually get an operator now? I don't know if you get anything with zero anymore. Now, I don't think there's operators anymore, dude. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, no, there are operators, well, but. You could, if you had, it, it wouldn't be dialing zero, but if you had the right operator number, you could get them in other countries. Right. Yeah. So, um, but overall, I think all of us enjoyed this show. Definitely. We're starting to run um, towards the end here. Um, yeah, there really isn't any operators because if you call 911, they'll put you on hold. That's right. <laughs> Probably. They did. They're not even known as operators anymore. They're dispatchers. Yeah. Wait a minute. Who, put, who got put on hold? Me. After my car accident. Oh, yeah. I got put on hold and I'm like, here. You should have no yeah. clue where I was even at. She called nine one one after she got into a car wreck a couple of months or what about a November, year ago. November, yeah. And um she got put on hold. Yeah. Good thing point, no one was bleeding out on the street. Good thing you were well and by that time you were already there and I just handed yeah. you the phone. I got there faster than nine one one picked up and she was about a mile away. Oh wow. But, um, and you were on your bike. Yeah. So um <laughs> let's start Vicky, as we're wrapping this up, what's your some final thoughts of your impression of this show? I'm would like to see more. This is I grew up watching like almost all of these movies of the '80s that we was referenced. I grew yeah. up watching movies. Yeah, Vicky always keeps saying how she grew up watching Stephen King and Godzilla. Well, this Stephen King was mm-hmm. one of the major influences in this. Mm-hmm. I, it makes me one. I've never watched most of those Stephen King movies. I've seen Firestarter. I've seen I think Carrie, and I think that's about it. I need to go back and start watching some of these '80s Stephen King stuff. Oh, yeah. I have to start watching that stuff at like five years old. <laughs> So, um, Kyle and Dawn, what were your, some of your final thoughts on, um, Stranger Things? I want more of it. Uh, it was really good. It, it was a great homage to all the things I loved about eighties movies. And it was, it just makes me want to go and watch a bunch of movies that I don't have time to sit and watch right now, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it's, it, it, it was done right and well written and fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Definitely need more. Um, 
it was it was engrossing. Like every episode had you wanting more. It had it had you. Well, I mean, come on, we binged it. It had you wanting to watch the mm-hmm. next one and the next one and the next one. And I do think it's interesting that Stephen King himself loves the show, as does his son Joe Hill. Awesome. So I think that says something when such a major inspiration for the entire project itself loves mm-hmm. your work. So I definitely more, and I think everyone should watch it, whether mm-hmm. you're a geek or not whether you'll necessarily get all the references or not, it's still a good show to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's a very well-written story. It makes me want to see yes. more from the two brothers. Yeah. They have one other movie, like you said, that, um, or like we said, it's called The Hidden. I don't know if it was a movie or TV series, but it's something that we'd, it'd be interesting to see. Um, but I'm going to reiterate what everybody said, that I thought it was phenomenal. I loved all the references. I think not just need more of this, we need more like this. Yeah. Take another genre, go um, do maybe something that is a teen movie type thing or um, comedy or something, you know what I'm saying? Where yeah. you can actually... Or, or go straight out sci-fi. Exactly. Instead of just the horror. True. So, um, or adventure, something that hits like Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and the other movies like that. Yep. Maybe something, a newer fantasy that brings up some, cause some of the really bad 80s um, fantasy stuff. Because <laughs> 80s had some phenomenal and some phenomenally awesome and phenomenally terrible fantasy. The bees. Right. You Crow go from Beastmaster to night. Conan. <laughs> Crawl! Oh my god! Crawl! I did not watch it. I, I I was this close to watch it, <laughs> but I remember the one time I saw Crawl. I loved it, and I didn't think it would hold up. I had the movie adaptation novel. I did too. <laughs> that was a good movie. And actually, it. there's there's a website that has uh, emul- emulators of uh, classic video games. It had the Crawl video game oh, in there. <laughs> Where you had the that's like the yeah. only thing worth it is the crawl video game. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh yeah, you with sci-fi Enemy you can go mine. Enemy Mine, um, something like uh, some Last Starfighter stuff. Yeah, definitely. Oh, Enemy yeah. Mine, they could easily like do like uh, next gen now. Yeah, tell, what was the kid's name in Enemy Mine? Zombies or something like that? Uh-huh. Tell a story with no, zombies. Zombies was the uncle. Was oh, what okay. They were calling the uncle. Okay, but um, there's yeah, there's some great stuff to be mined that w- would not be a reboot. And you don't even have to do a continuation. Just do something that's an homage to it. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, do move from there, people. Yeah. But coming up, um, uh, as we said for next week, guys, we're going to have, um, let me see. Ah, that's what the problem is. It didn't stop recording, did it? Nope. <laughs> it's still recording. Hey. <laughs> there we go. Technology. But, um, Coming up for next week's show, remember, Geeksters, you're going to get the Weeby Geeks Watch 1 Comic-Con coverage, um, Volume 2. I like that better, Volume 2. And then the week (laughs) after that, we will have all of our Gen Con coverage and and stories from the road from the um, Epic Geek Road Trip. That's right. Right. So that one will probably be a little bit extra long episode. But you guys know that when we do our con coverage, you're going to get a little longer. Then we'll be back on track. Um, later on the, in a couple of weeks, we're going to need to definitely do some um, talk Wayward Pines. Did you guys finish that up this week, too? No, we didn't watch the season. We didn't watch season, season two. Oh. No. I kind of don't Se- find it necessary. Season two was had some cool stuff because it, it was a different story than season one. Obviously, you had to. This one, lo- right, you learn right. more about, the, so, yeah. about everything. It's, a, it's a, almost a totally different show in the same city. What can I, can I say? Spoilers? No, no spoilers. One? <laughs> no. Nothing. They don't care. They're not going to watch it. <laughs> no. Yeah, but others are. <laughs> yeah, other people aren't caught up yet. But that point, so, they, um, they should have been because this has but, been out for months. Um, I'd like to talk that if you guys get a chance to um, watch it. Yeah, it gives they, us a couple weeks. We might. Yeah. yeah. Um, We have Killjoys. Like we said, we got the sci-fi roundup for this summer we're going to have to do. We still have to catch up on Dark Matter, but we, um, we're, we've watched all of Killjoys except for this week. So mm-hmm. we'll get that caught up. 
and, and um, we preacher, got... preacher's finishing up too. Oh yeah, yeah I got preacher's it. got its finale tonight. We own it. We have to watch it all the way through. As soon as we do, we'll get on that too. So there's some epicness coming for the towards the end of August before we get into the new seasons on everything. Um, right. But other than that, did you guys have anything else? That's it. Nope. Okay, Miss Vicky, do you have anything else? No, you won't let me. <laughs> no spoilers. So. Geeksters, you can always find us at geekwatch1.com. On all social media is geekwatch1. And um, always go, as always, you can send us a message at geekwatch1 at gmail.com. So, what? I was just going to say. Is it a spoiler? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> Don't prick a, pick a pretty face out of a file without knowing the information first. Ah. That is actually a teaser for anybody who hasn't seen season two. <laughs> It'll no. When you see it, you'll you'll understand. But it's okay. but it doesn't tell you anything until then. Um, that was actually a really good one, Vicky. So, um, go head over to iTunes, Stitcher, leave us a review. Always, you can find us on tangentboundnetwork.com and weebegeeksnetwork.com, and we are the flagship of the Fla- Geek Watch One family of podcasts. So, for Kylan and Miss Dawn and Miss Vicky and myself, just remember: no matter where you go. There you are. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. <laughs>